Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very, very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy, as the Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on these domestic church media radio stations and all of the platforms that we come to you on. Now, today, I am pre-recording a little earlier in the day. Um, it's going to be an odd week, I think, a little bit different because um, uh, some things going on. I'll share that with you in a moment. Um but anyway, so not coming live to you, but so there's no uh, video, but uh, certainly coming to you at 4 o'clock uh, on the uh, radio stations and all of our audio platforms and at 10 o'clock at night on this Tuesday, May 26th, praying that you're having a blessed, happy, and holy day, my brothers and sisters. Let me clarify something uh, right up front. We read about and hearing about now lead stories on all the major networks. Uh, the tragedy up in Connecticut, the murder of uh, a couple of people at the hands of someone named Manfredonia, but no relation whatsoever, I can assure you of that. We've gone back over our genealogy just to make sure um, there is no relation uh, no other than the same name. And uh, yeah, so I did get a couple of emails, Don't so don't fret. It's There is no relation there, um, no family member of ours. But we pray certainly for that family, that Manfredonia family is there reaching out to their son who was on the run uh, from the authorities uh, for that uh, horrible crime that was committed. So let's keep that in prayer. But anyway, just let me let me show you. We are not, we are not related to uh, that person named Peter Manfredonia, not a family member of ours. I hope you had a blessed uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we certainly did. Very relaxing. Uh, but now back in the swing here in this last week of May already, my brothers and sisters, I'm thanking you for being a part of this program today, and um, we're going to pray. And as always, I invite you to uh, raise up your special prayer intentions. You know, now, as we're seeing the country begin to reopen in most places, uh, I know it was a little bit uh, um, delayed here in New Jersey and even more delayed in, in Pennsylvania, um, but places are opening up. Uh, and we just keep praying, you know, that this virus goes away. Uh, there was an interesting article that I posted on our website the other day. Uh, you might recall a while back when the Holy Father had that worldwide holy hour against the pandemic. Um, the article said that uh, that's when in Italy the um, cases, number of cases of virus began to decrease. Interesting, isn't it? The power of prayer and the power of of uh, the Lord in the Eucharist. Uh, so let's keep praying that this thing goes away, uh, that people uh, are, are beginning to open up and, and come return to normal. Not a new normal. I don't like that term. I don't like that term at all. Let's just go back to normal uh, and even a better normal. How about that? A better normal where people return in droves to churches. I want to talk a little bit about that as well. But let's pray. I have some things from the Holy Father. And also, you know, this uh, yesterday... 
was the 25th anniversary of the release of St. Pope John Paul II's um, encyclical letter, Ut Unum Sint, uh, on um, Christian unity. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But now, my brothers and sisters, as always, we raise up all of our special intentions as brothers and sisters in the Lord, as family, gathered here at this time, wherever you're listening, and whenever you're listening. And we pray for all of your special intentions. Again, we're praying for our, our young friend Maria, uh, still a suffering servant, uh, with that tumor on her brain stem. And, you know, no one knows the mind of God, but we do know that uh, Maria is in a very, very unique and blessed way being able to be united with the suffering of our Lord as a suffering servant. And so we pray for her. We're praying for a miracle. But in this time of waiting and in this time of Maria and her family's suffering, we join and unite ourselves to them in prayer to help help them and, and, and carry them through these difficult times. For all of your intentions, my friends, again, let's keep praying for our country now as we enter into the summer season, you know, Memorial Day, traditionally the beginning of the summer season here on the East Coast, and especially here in New Jersey as the shore areas begin to open up, uh, that people remain... Um, smart and, and in their behavior, uh, following the guidelines, but also understanding that, you know, we have to continue with life and we have to move forward and move ahead. And um, let's just pray for all of the situation. You know, there's just so much happening that can be confusing and, and can cause division, you know, and, and cause people to take sides. And we really shouldn't be doing that. We should all be headed for the same goal to get back to normal, to open up the country to not fear, and to move forward in trust and in hope in the Lord and walk with Jesus. That's the bottom line in all of this. So let's begin, my brothers and sisters, uh, and we're going to pray the prayer that Holy Father composed for this month, uh, asking everyone to pray it at the conclusion of their rosary, that they pray this month and uh, continue beyond May. We'll keep praying it, and we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God, in the present tragic situation when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety. We fly to you, Mother of God and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes toward us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died, and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones who are sick and who in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son as you did at Cana, so that the families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect those doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and volunteers who are on the front lines of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic efforts and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research that 
they may find effective solutions to overcome the virus. Support national leaders that with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Beloved Mother, help us to realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that in spite of fraternity and solidarity, in spite of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need. Make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume to normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Amen. And we'll pray the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the Subtum Presidium prayer. Our Holy Father asks us to pray that every day with the specific uh, intention uh, to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, in a special way, Saint Philip Neri, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you for being here today and praying that you had a blessed uh, Memorial Day weekend. A little different than uh, Memorial Day weekends past, but it looks like uh, things are starting to reopen, get back to normal. And, you know, uh, like I said and have said uh, over the past couple of months, you know, we don't have to reopen here. We never closed. We've been very blessed that domestic church media has been here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to be a link, a lifeline, really, uh, between you and our church as so many parishes have had to close, dioceses have had to shut down, uh, public masses are, are still not being said, uh, but we are here for you. And now as we enter into the summer months, you know, June 1st, uh, just a couple days away, June, July, and August traditionally are the worst months for us as far as uh, support goes. Uh, this year may be different. I don't know. You know, everything is different now. Uh, and uh, we didn't have our Radiothon yet. We will have it. I'm hoping and praying that that can happen in September. Uh, but in the meantime, my brothers and sisters, I just put the call out to you to please open your hearts to what the Holy Spirit may be asking you in, in ways of helping us. Um, we've been very blessed in so many ways uh, throughout this month of May. I put the call out at the beginning of the month that we you know, it costs us $25,000 a month to operate the entire apostolate. That includes our four radio stations and everything else we do. $25,000 a month 
Now, if you look at the size of our operation, uh, all that we provide, all that we can do, uh, the, the as I said, four radio stations in different parts of the state, uh, our apostolate, the technology we use, of course, then there comes the just the basic necessities of, of uh, insurance and all the other things like that that go along with operating a, a business, an operation. 25000 isn't a lot of money when you think about the size of what we are doing here and the, and the enormity of, of the, the, the mission. But we can't do it without you. We do not receive any financial support from any of the dioceses that we serve. All of our funding comes completely from you, our family of listeners and benefactors. So without the Radiothon this year so far, as I said, we're putting it off until the fall. Normally we have it at the beginning of uh, April, end of March, right around Holy Week. And uh, that then carries us through the summer and into the fall. We didn't have it, so that means that that, uh, those funds are not there. So I put the call out to you in whatever way you can. And I thank all of you who have been so generously responding in so many ways. I thank you all. My goodness, God bless you all for all you do. Uh, But to please continue that throughout the summer because we do need you. If we could have another June, July, and August like our May, we're, 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 you know, thanks be to God this month, getting close to our $25,000 goal. Not there yet. And still, you know, four or five days left in order to reach that. But, um, Thank you all who are responding to continue that throughout the summer to carry us into the fall and to our 2020 Radiothon. Uh, so I thank all of you for, for that. And, and, and again, we thank God for the opportunity to serve you this way, uh, to be here for you when, when most other resources have closed and, and closed their doors and have been shuttered. We've not. We've been open 24-7. Cheryl and I have done the best we can to be over here on a regular basis, keep everything running smoothly, keep the operation up and running and get the Word of God proclaimed boldly and without compromise in this world that so desperately needs to hear it. You can write to us here at Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509. That's P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. So it's Domestic Church Media, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Your gift is tax-deductible as allowed by law. Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. That's 08628. Or you can go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, make a very uh, secure and online donation there using your debit or credit card. Just click the Donate Now button and make a donation of your choice. You also have the option there, if you can, my brothers and sisters, if you do donate online, two things, to cover the 2.7% fee, whatever the percentage is on a credit card. You know, there's a fee that goes along with that. You can also donate that so we don't have to pay it. Uh, but also, it gives you the option of making a monthly donation. Could you afford $5, $10, $15 a month uh, for the next 12 months uh, to help us on a regular basis? That's an option there as well. Not required, but an option. Uh, and whatever you can do, as we say, no amount is too small, no amount is too great, but we do need you. We count on you, especially now as we enter into these summer months, uh, to carry us through into the fall because we didn't have our Radiothon. Our Radiothon over the past number of years has done that for us. The funds raised in our Spring Radiothon carries us through the summer and into the fall. But without that Radiothon this year, uh, we just want to be sure that we continue to be supported so we can be here for you as a lifeline, as a link 
to your church with all the resources that we offer. Again, our address is Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. That's 08628, P.O. Box 7509. Thank you, and God bless you for all that you do. Now, I did mention that this week is a little bit different. I'm pre-recording today. Um, Thursday, I'm going to have to put on a repeat program, I believe, because Thursday I go for my (laughs) five-year... colonoscopy. You know, when you turn 50, especially men and ladies too, but especially men, when you turn 50, you should start getting this procedure done. It's a very simple uh, procedure, uh, a colonoscopy to check for uh, any type of colorectal colorectal cancer. Um, And uh, it only has to be done once every five years. Uh, and it's not like the old days, you know, uh, the worst part, as they say, of the colonoscopy is the preparation for it. <laughs> um, but even that's gotten better. Now, tomorrow is my prep day, so we'll see what happens tomorrow, uh, if I'm here or not. I, I'm, I'm assuming I will be here. Um, but uh, anyway, so Thursday is the actual procedure in the morning, so I won't be here uh, for the program I'll put a repeat on be back, God willing, on Friday with Cheryl for Friday Live. So anyway, that's going to be a little little strange this week. I'm not sure about tomorrow. Thursday won't be here uh, pre-recording today. Um, but again, I just encourage you, and I say that, you know, it's it's something that, you know, delicate conversation perhaps, but just to get the word out. If you haven't had it done, you should have it done, especially once you turn 50. Get it done every five years just to keep uh, keep safe and keep healthy. Um, and, uh, I've been doing it since I turned 50. This is, you know, so this is my fourth, I guess, in, in the past 15 years. Uh, and, uh, again, it's not as bad as it used to be. The worst part is the preparation. Uh, once you get in there and the intravenous, uh, stuff they put in you, it's like, boom, you're, <laughs> you're, they, they start putting it in the next thing you know, you're waking up. So, uh, anyway, uh, that's my story this week. So keep me in prayer. Everything's fine. No, no, but I'm just going to, it's just a normal uh, routine um, elective procedure that I had to actually postpone. I, I had it scheduled for St. Joseph's Day. <laughs> and uh, because of the uh, situation with the pandemic, uh, elective procedures had to be canceled. So I had to cancel it, but now it is back on for, for Thursday. So that's my story this week. And again, if you weren't here at the beginning of the program, uh, this very tragic situation that occurred in Connecticut with the murder of those two people at the hands of someone named Manfredonia. No relation whatsoever, uh, I can assure you of that. Uh, we certainly pray for that Manfredonia family and, and the, the, the individual who committed those crimes, uh, that uh, God's grace be upon them and that this gentleman surrenders and uh, puts places himself into the hands of the authorities. Uh, but again, no relation. Um, we even had my sister go back on our Ancestry.com to check and no relation whatsoever. So I have gotten though some some inquiries about it, people and uh, people who you know are wondering, but no, no relation whatsoever. It was the lead news story this morning on Fox News. I was watching, very very surprised. But anyway, so we pray for that situation. So let's do this. We're going to go to uh, a letter that uh, Holy Father Pope Francis uh, recently wrote to an Italian journalist saying that we should pray for mothers to have courage as they face the challenges of the post-coronavirus world. Um, this particular letter 
was written to uh, a journalist named Nina Fabrizio, uh, who wrote a book, Francesco del Papa delle Donne, which means Francis, the Pope of Women. But Holy Father wrote this uh, journalist a letter and said, the question of every mother resounds in the heart, what world will my child live in? Let us pray for them so that the Lord may give them the courage to accompany their children with the trust that it will certainly be a different world, but will always be a world loved very much by the Lord. And, you know, again, we're in a situation, kind of in a transition point now, aren't we, my friends, Um, where things are kind of semi-normal in in certain areas of life. Uh, We're certainly waiting here in New Jersey and over in Pennsylvania to catch up to some of the other states that have really opened up and reopened. Um, but things are different. And, and I don't like the term uh, new normal. I like the term getting back to normal. Because, you know, let's face it, 100 years ago during the Sp- uh, Spanish flu epidemic over a couple of years where so many uh, people died worldwide, it didn't take too long for people to enter into the roaring 20s. You know, and, uh, things got back to very much normal uh, situations. Um we're praying that all of those models that people used over the past couple of months we're seeing were, were, were not that accurate in many cases. Um, and the numbers were inflated in many cases. And, and there were, uh, you know, you hear all about all of the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the numbers that are being reported uh, being um, skewed and, and things. So, so we're kind of in a transition right now, right? But Holy Father, in this letter, prays for the courage for mothers specifically to accompany with their children uh, with trust that it, although it's going to be a different world, that it will always be a world still loved very much by the Lord. And that goes for us, too, to, to understand and believe that, you know, and to, to, to know that. Um, the Holy Father uh, noted that, um, first of all, he thanked this author, this Nina Fabrizio, for the book and, and articles, and noted that they had helped him to better understand the feeling of women awaiting childbirth during the pandemic. He said, today, motherhood is demeaned because the only growth with which interests us is economic growth. There are mothers who risk arduous journeys to desperately try to give a better future to their offspring, the Holy Father wrote, noting that mothers are often judged by people with full stomachs but hearts empty of love. And he uh, was, again, praying in this letter. And it goes for fathers, too. I think people, especially, you know, we, we think about that. Of course, our children are all grown up, but now we have grandchildren. And you, you wonder... What type of world will these children have? What will it be like for them? You know, we were we were laughing, Cheryl and I, the other day about uh, how we grew up and and you know playing in dirt. You know, we used to play in dirt. I shared that with you, and you know, my mother used to give us occasionally raw chopped meat to eat while she was making meatballs, and we all drank from our our hoses out in the yard, and and. Uh, you know, we didn't have any seat belts in our cars. We remember driving, uh, you know, in a, in a station wagon. 
in the back of a station wagon, the flat part of the station wagon, there were no, well, some, some models I think had seats back there. The car we had didn't have seats back there. It was just flat, but we still rode back there with the back window open. <laughs> that would roll down on the turnpike. <laughs> you know, uh, you think about all the, the dangers that we, you know, that today people would look at you and they'd call OSHA if you were doing that with kids in the back. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's totally different where you would leave your house on a day like today or a summer day out of school. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd go out of your house around 9 o'clock in the morning on your bike. We'd put the glove on the handlebars of our bicycles and ride up to the park with our bats and and uh, baseballs and, and go up there. And we'd be – there were no cell phones. There were no GPS tracking devices. Mom assumed we were where we said we were going, and we, we most likely were. But, you know, you come in contact your way. There's no – Overseeing today, you know, the, the, sadly, the children can't even let out of the sight of their of their parents because of the culture. Things are changing, you know. And, and is it what is the what, changing for the better or changing for the worse? I'm not. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. But what kind of world are we giving our children? And if we're not giving our children a world with a foundation of faith, that's the most important. You know. I think when I speak to you, our listening audience, and we found out a couple of years ago that the majority of our audience here uh, at Domestic Church Media ranges between 50 and 70 years old. So we're peers, we're contemporaries, we grew up at the same, around the same times, you know. And, you know, we, 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 we know that we were raised, most of us, by faithful parents. Uh, we were raised in, in, in the faith. We were requ- required to go to Mass every Sunday, and, and some, some of us, most of us perhaps, went to Catholic schools at one point. And we may have rebelled against some of that back in the 60s and early 70s. But we did okay. You know, I think about my days and growing up and, and uh, running wild a little bit here or there. But with always that very strong foundation of faith that my parents and family instilled in me and my siblings. And even the people, you know, the kids that we hung out with growing up. Most in my neighborhood were, were a Catholic, whether we had some non-Catholic friends. But we were always, it was always the same values, you know, always the same Judeo-Christian values upon which we were raised. But what kind of world will our our grandchildren have? Or are those of you who are now starting families, your children? You know, we tried in, in raising our kids to do the best we can to instill the faith, to set an example, to be witnesses of the faith. Once they grow up and they turn into adults, you know, you, you can't control them anymore, but certainly can still give that witness. But as they begin to have their own children, what type of world? You know, we look at our, our two beautiful little grandchildren. We're a third on the way. We're so excited about our, our next grandchild coming due on uh, the Feast of St. Faustina, October 5th, actually. Um, but look at them and being raised so well, thanks be to God, by our son and his wife. And, and uh, 
you just you you know but right now they're in the safety and the security of their domestic church but eventually they're going to have to go out <laughs> of the security of that environment into an environment where perhaps the other children with whom they come in contact don't have the same upbringing or values it wasn't always that way there were always a few you know we always had a few you know you know growing up a few people who were a little bit kids who were a little bit you know on the wild side or the majority of our friends and the majority of, of people you came in contact with were uh, of, of the same, you know, as I said, Judeo-Christian values. So anyway, Holy Father, in this letter that he wrote to this uh, a journalist today or the other day, uh, stated that, you know, mothers, especially those who are pregnant, uh, those who are raising children in this post-coronavirus world, what will it be like? What will the normal be? We want to get back to as normal as possible. We want to get back to, uh, again, that, 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 uh, this, this getting back to mass. The church. One thing I want to say, you know, I, I saw a few of the, the images of the uh, parishes that in, in all of our surrounding, not just the Diocese of Trinidad, but all of our surrounding dioceses, who had the, um, the parking lot masses where the mass was said. And then, I don't, know, I don't know if this happened all over, but I saw one video of a priest um, distributing communion to people as they drove by in their car. And on the outset, you think, oh, that's nice, but I, I just worry about anybody driving through. Anybody can drive through. And you, you want to, you know, certainly avoid any situation where there might, might be the possibility of abuse or sacrilege or, or God forbid, even desecration. I, I'm not so sure I, I really... Um, can can be comfortable with that. That's me, and maybe there are precautions being taken, but we want to get back into the church. We want to get back and worship together as community and trust in the Lord and believe that the Lord will certainly see us through in all this and take care of us in the way we move on from this point into the next phase of recovery and reopening. Okay, let me take a break. When I come back, St. Pope John Paul II, 25 years ago yesterday, released uh, an encyclical letter called Ut Unum Sint uh, on the unity of Christians, and uh, share a little bit about uh, that with you. In fact, today's uh, gospel, uh, John 17, eventually will quote the words of Jesus that all may be one. So let me take a break. Be right back. Don't go away. The gospels did not start the church. The church started the gospels. The church did not come out of the Gospels. It was the Gospels that came out of the church. The church preceded the New Testament, not the New Testament, the church. Men did not believe in the resurrection because the Gospel said there was a resurrection. The Gospel writers wrote down the story of the crucifixion, for example, and the resurrection because they believed it. Now in like manner. The church did not come to believe in the virgin birth because the Gospels tell us there is a virgin birth. It was because the living word of God in his mystical body, the church already believed it, and they set it down in the Gospels. Listen to Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen every Sunday morning at 7.30, right here where you are family, Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Sister Anne Shields speaking to you from Food for the Journey, a program that is heard on Domestic Church Radio Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. 
I want to encourage you to listen to that program, not because I'm doing it, but because I speak of the scripture readings for the day, and the Word of God is what gives us life. Brothers and sisters, today we need life. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I told her I love her. Instead of sitting on the couch, I helped clean up. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I sent my husband a love email. What have I done for my marriage today? It's a good question. I uh, gave her a call and say, thinking of her and the kids. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> We're going to the museums as a family. What have I done for my marriage today? I made my wife coffee and breakfast this morning. It's going to be her birthday next week, so I've been spending time today making arrangements to make that extra special. Oh, we're spending the day together. I bought her an orchid. <laughs> Hassan was able to let me sleep in by taking him care of him in the morning. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Small changes can make a world of difference. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Do you want to end abortion? Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul's Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. We want to invite you to pray the rosary with us. The rosary is many things, but perhaps the best way to think about the rosary is to think about it as a spiritual place, as an invisible chapel that you can enter into even in a busy time of life. Pray the Holy Rosary with Father Benedict Rochelle, mornings at 9.30, right here on Domestic Church Radio. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hard-working people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. Welcome back on this lovely May 
26th, 2020, Feast of St. Philip Neri. Uh, hoping you are having a blessed day, my brothers and sisters, and thanking you for being a part of my day here. I am recording the program a little earlier today, so there's no video uh, today, but uh, hopefully we'll return to normal. Well, tomorrow we'll see. As I mentioned to you, um, we'll not be here Thursday because I go for my five-year uh, colonoscopy. Not, <laughs> and uh, we all should be getting them once you turn 50. I said it earlier. Say it again. Uh, once you turn 50, every five years you should get this uh, because um, you want to remain safe. And yeah, the procedure is really and the worst part of the prep. And even that's gotten a little better. There was a time there, I remember, when I first, 15 years ago, you had to drink this gallon of syrup. <laughs> oh, remember that? But now there's something different. Every 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 time I go, though, over the past, you know, I think it's every five years, there's a different prep. And it seems to be getting better and better, a little easier. That that gallon of, of syrup was, ugh. It would make you nauseous. But not anymore. Now it's now it's just a quick six, I think it's a six-ounce thing you drink and... and uh, a lot of water, and there you go. So my prep day is tomorrow. So I'll see if I, I should be here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If not, you'll know why. Uh, let's see, anything else? Um, again, my friends, just before we get to the whole, I'm going to go to St. Jo- uh, John Paul II's encyclical, just a little bit of his encyclical, uh, Ut Unum Sint, you know, that all may be one, as our Lord prayed in John 17, which we're praying right now, our gospel this week. Um uh, but before we do that, again, just to remind you, please, please, please uh, keep us in your prayers. And as Mother used to say, put us between your gas and electric bill because we do need you throughout the summer months. Uh, we didn't have our Radiothon yet. We, we postponed it because of the situation. So uh, without that Radiothon in the spring, uh, we find ourselves you know, feeling a little pinch and will be uh, because these months are traditionally the uh, worst of the year for us and for most nonprofits in fundraising efforts. So please keep us in your prayers. Again, our address is Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509 Trenton 08628. That's P.O. Box 7509 Trenton 08628. And you can also go right to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Click on the Donate Now button and use your debit or credit card. Uh, to make a donation of your choice, whatever is comfortable for you. And thanks to all of you who are supporting us and responding to my pleas to help us uh, through these uh, next three months. I'll keep you posted on where we are, how we're doing, and pray that uh, we will uh, reach our our monthly needs. And our monthly need is $25,000 per month. And that's to operate the whole operation, the whole thing, all of our four stations, everything. 25000 which isn't a lot of money when you put it in that context. But as a non-profit, non-commercial radio station, we can't sell ads and we don't have advertising. So we count on you. So thanks for your prayers, and please, whatever you can, in whatever way you can help us out. Every bit helps. We really, really appreciate it. Now, this coming Monday is June 1st already, whew, which means it's first Monday. And that means Bruce DeBacco will be here. Uh, with his program, Come to the Throne. We'll throw open the prayer tent and invite you to participate, pray with Bruce for all of your intentions. But also, in the meantime, you can send us your prayer requests. So please keep them coming, either by mail, or you can uh, send your prayer request to pray at domesticchurchmedia.org. That's pray at Uh, 
www.thechurchmedia.org, and you can uh, make uh, your prayer request that way as well. So it's pray at domesticchurchmedia.org. One thing I felt, I I meant to mention this in the beginning, um, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, also, um, and the Pontifical Council for Promoting the New Evangelization, said that the Holy Father is asking us to join Marian sanctuaries across the world to pray to our Blessed Mother for help during the pandemic um, on the theme devoted and with one accord to prayer together with Mary. The Holy Father will lead the praying of the rosary this coming Saturday, uh, May 30th, joining the Marian shrines of the world, which due to the health emergency have had to interrupt their normal activities and pilgrimages. So the Holy Father is calling everybody this coming Saturday, May 30th, to pray the rosary um, for the pandemic. And um, he's going to ask the Blessed Mother on behalf of the entire world and invites us to join him in that to help uh, amid this pandemic. Um, The prayer that the Holy Father is going to pray is going to be broadcast live around the world. Now, I haven't gotten word from the network yet on, on our coverage. I'm hoping we do. Uh, but the, the, it'll be broadcast live around the world from the Grotto of Lords in the Vatican Gardens, 5.30 p.m. Rome time, which means it's 11.30 a.m. our time. So I haven't gotten word from EWTN yet. I'm praying we can carry that. If, if not through the network, I'll find a way to do that. I think it's important. That would be 11.30 uh, let me just double check on that because the time changed, right? It might be 12. We'll, we'll find out. But I'll do the best I can to get it on the air so that we can, as a unified body of Christ, pray with the Vicar of Christ, pray with Pope Francis, who will be praying from the Grotto of Lords in the Vatican Gardens this coming Saturday, May 30th, praying the rosary, and we can pray along with him, uh, invoking our Blessed Mother's intercession for this pandemic. You know, as I mentioned earlier, and I did put it on our our um, Facebook page, uh, that when the Holy Father led the worldwide Eucharistic Holy Hour, remember that from Vatican uh, Square, the vacant, empty Vatican Square, um, a few, not about a month and a half ago or so, whenever it was, that it was, they, they looked at that and the statistics, and they f- are finding that it was at that point when Pope Francis raised the monstrance in the Blessed Sacrament, really over the entire world on behalf of the, uh, the people of the world, it was at that point that the number of coronavirus virus cases began to decrease in Rome. So this coming Saturday, May 30th, 5.30 Rome time, which... Um, uh, is either 12.30 or 11.30. I think with the time change, it may have adjusted. But anyway, uh, we can pray with Pope Francis in unity to the Blessed Mother. Pray the Holy Rosary. He's going to lead the world in the rosary. Uh, and uh, again, placing everything under her intercession and protection. So kind of like the final, uh, not the final, but but uh, you know, just an, an additional uh, power there to overcome this pandemic. So we'll keep, I'll keep you posted on that as well. 
All right, so let's go to, this is from 1995. It was released on May 25th, so it was 25 years ago yesterday. St. Pope John Paul II wrote an encyclical letter called Ut Unum Sint, that all may be one. It was a, an encyclical letter on Christian unity. And I'm, I, obviously, it's an, I can't do the entire encyclical letter. I'm just in the introduction here, but I, I just want to share some of St. Pope John Paul II's words with you on this, because um, it was an important encyclical, and even today, more than ever, you know, we see, especially these days, so many of our brother and sister Christians, non-Catholics even, uh, you know, with, with the churches being closed and people hungering and thirsting for the opportunity to, to get back to communal worship of Almighty God. We have so much in common with each other, don't we, in that. We may not have everything in common in the way we do the worshiping, but from the heart, the, the bottom line in all of this is that we, we all want to communally worship the Almighty God and be united in that. Now, this is 1995, May 25th, 1995. St. Pope John Paul II wrote, Christ calls all his disciples to unity. He wrote, My earnest desire is to renew this call today, to propose it once more with determination, repeating what I said at the Colosseum on Good Friday, 1994, at the end of the meditation on the Via Crucis, prepared by my venerable brother Bartholomew, the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople. There I stated that believers in Christ, united in following in the footsteps of the martyrs, cannot remain divided if they wish truly and effectively to oppose the world's tendency to reduce the powerlessness, the mystery of redemption. They must profess together the same truth about Christ, about the cross. The cross, Pope, Francis, uh, Pope John Paul said, an anti-Christian outlook seeks to minimize the cross, to empty it of its meaning, and to deny that in it man has the source of his new life. It claims that the cross is unable to provide either vision or hope. Man, it says, is nothing but an earthly being and must live as if God did not exist. This was 1995. But you see how that has even evolved today, crossing so many lines and barriers of, of all uh, aspects of, of, of the culture, society. Man is nothing but an earthly being who must live as if God does not exist. John Paul wrote, no one is unaware of the challenge which all this poses to believers. They cannot fail to meet this challenge indeed. How could they refuse to do everything possible with God's help to break down the walls of division and distrust? To overcome obstacles and prejudices which thwart the proclamation of the gospel of salvation in the cross of Jesus, the one redeemer of man of every individual, John Paul said, I thank the Lord that he has led us to make progress along the path of unity and communion between Christians, a path difficult but so full of joy. 
interconfessional dialogues at the theological level have produced positive and tangible results. This encourages us to move forward. Again, we're talking 25 years ago. I've often thought, as I, especially as I watch the news over the past couple of months, and you see, past couple of weeks, I should say, especially, where you see some of our Protestant brothers and sisters, but the, the Protestant ministers who are defying state orders and mandates to keep their doors closed and say, we're going to worship God the way God wants us to worship. I think, could you imagine if, if, if we were all united as, as Catholics, as, the, as members of the one true church that Jesus founded, the power in, in that Christian church? You know, we know there are so many denominations of Christianity. And, of course, the Catholic Church is not a denomination. We emphasize that all the time because the Catholic Church did not denominate from anything. The Catholic Church is the one true church that Jesus Christ founded himself. There used to be, you probably can still find it on on uh, Google somehow, of, of the various Christian uh, religions, denominations, and when they began and by whom they were begun. <laughs> when you go back to the Catholic Church, if someone says, well, who founded the Catholic Church? Remember that, that uh, thing a few years ago on, on uh, the Amazon Echo device? If you asked Alexa who founded the Catholic Church, the answer from the machine would be Jesus Christ. Well, that became a, an Internet sensation where a priest, I guess, asked Alexa, Alexa, who founded the Catholic Church? And Alexa said the Catholic Church was founded by Jesus Christ, and that went viral. <laughs> Even Alexa agrees that the Catholic Church is the one true church. But uh, Amazon quickly squelched that, and I think Alexa now says Catholics believe that the Catholic Church was founded by Jesus Christ. But wasn't always that way. The answer was true prior to that. Well, that answer is true too, but not as definitive as the first one. But you can go down the list of, of non-Catholic Christian denominations, and they were all founded by men, mortal men, who, for one reason or another, broke away from the church to which they belonged originally, and founded another Christian church. And it's been dividing all the way down. But could you imagine the power there would be if all Christian churches became united, as Christ intended? You know, Jesus prayed that prayer the night before he died. Father, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. The division that exists among Christians is something that Jesus Christ does not want. And even, even sadder than that is when you see the division within the Catholic Church. So in this letter that Pope John Paul II wrote 25 years ago, this encyclical letter, he, he stressed that we 
have a responsibility as Christians to be united as Christ prayed. He wrote, Nevertheless, besides the doctrinal differences needed to be resolved, Christians cannot underestimate the burden of long-standing misgivings inherited from the past and of mutual misunderstandings and prejudices. Complacency, indifference, and insufficient knowledge of one another often make the situation worse. Consequently, the commitment to ecumenism must be based upon the conversion of hearts and upon prayer, which will also lead to the necessary purification of past memories. With the grace of the Holy Spirit, John Paul wrote, the Lord's disciples, inspired by love, by the power of the truth, and by a sincere desire for mutual forgiveness and reconciliation, are called to re-examine together their painful past and the hurt which that past regrettably continues to provoke even today. Altogether, they are invited by the ever-fresh power of the gospel to acknowledge with sincere and total objectivity the mistakes made and the contingent factors that worked at the origins of their deplorable divisions. John Paul said what is needed is a calm, clear-sighted, and truthful vision of things, a vision enlivened by divine mercy and capable of freeing people's minds and of inspiring in everyone a renewed willingness precisely with a view to proclaiming the gospel to men and women of every people and nation. And of course, that's our Lord's great commission that we just heard in, in, in our readings. You know, if you on Sunday we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, the Solemnity of the, the Ascension. Those were our Lord's parting words. Go into the whole world and bring the gospel to people of all nations. He didn't just say that to Catholics. <laughs> he said it. At that time, there was one church, and they were all standing right there with him as he ascended. Sadly, you know, a thousand years later, there was the first uh, um, breakaway with the Eastern Church, and then, of course, 500 years after that with Martin Luther, and everything from there splintered even further to the tune of 35, 40,000 denominations. It's not the way Jesus intended it, but we all have the same mission to bring Christ into the world. And we need to pray for unity. We need to, you know, we have more in common with our non-Catholic Christians than not. I remember hearing uh, Cardinal Francis Arenze when he was talking about ecumenism. Cardinal Francis Arenze is a convert. He was, I believe, was Episcopalian, raised Episcopalian in, in Nigeria and has since become a, a very well-known member of the College of Cardinals, very articulate, very, very much uh, just has done wonderful things over these many years that he's been uh, involved in as a cardinal. Now I think he's retired. But, uh, but I remember hearing him say once that, you know, even a clock that is broken gives the correct time twice a day. So you, you focus on what unites us, 
We all love Jesus. We all believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We all believe that Christ came into this world to save us from sin and death. We all you know, believe in, 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 in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's so many things that unite us. And then, of course, there are the obstacles. Now, we as Catholics who have this fullness of truth and, and understanding the, the fullness of the faith that we have, we have it all because it was given to us by Christ himself. No mere man, but by Christ himself. And the Holy Spirit revealed these truths to the apostles. And we've had this for 2,000 years. Our responsibility is to understand, know, love, and live our faith so that we can bring it to others. Even those brother and sister Catholic, or Christians who are not Catholic and who may disagree with some of what we know to be true and believe, to in a positive way, in an intelligent way, in a charitable way, present that in a way that helps them to understand or to see the truth. It comes in prayer and it comes in witness. But again, it is our responsibility to not be satisfied with the division between Christian churches, but to be praying for unity, to be praying that once again we will become what Christ intended us to be before he left us. You know, the night before he died, in John 17, as I said, we're gonna, we've been, this gospel is being prayed this week. Jesus prayed, Father, I pray that they may be one, and that's what the encyclical letter Ut Unum Sint is based on. Father, I pray that they may be one so that just as you and I are one. And that should be our prayer consistently and constantly as we uh, try to bring that truth to as many people as possible. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, I will be back tomorrow, I think. <laughs> Again, it's colonoscopy prep day tomorrow, so we'll see. But I, I should be here. Uh, and then uh, Thursday, I, I have to go in for the procedure. So uh, just a routine checkup, you know, uh, just precaution, you know, just doing what we got to do and be back on Friday, God willing, with Cheryl at four o'clock. Have a great rest of your day, my friends. Thanks for being here with me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you and God love you.